How are we doing? Happy Father's Day. Dads, happy Father's Day. I am going to tell some stories about dads today, and so I do want to say before I begin that I know that uh, we all have unique experiences with our fathers. And so if, if you've had a, a painful experience with an earthly father, uh, I've been praying for you all week that you have a new experience with a heavenly father today. So no, we're sensitive to that. Um, yeah, we should pray for the Lord's presence today. We're going to start in, uh, in Philippians 4. I'm going to read it here in just a second. Uh, it's on page 1,163 or 1,012. I'm going to read 4 through 9 for the reason. But before I do, I want to remind you of what we said, what I asked you to do last week. And I've got some good stories about this, actually. So I invited you to spend time in this passage throughout the week uh, just to kind of get it into our minds, right? But then I gave the analogy. I had a coach, and my coach told me to do something but didn't couple it with some action. I was prone to forget it. So we're trying to create a new way of thinking, a new way of doing, right? So we coupled it reading with action. So I asked you, if you would, if you weren't here, to enter the church through a different door today. And I got some good stories about this. People have gotten lost downstairs. Uh, people have not, have tried to get, doors are locked. I don't know if you know, some of the doors are locked in our building. So it took like four doors to find a door that they could get in to get into church. But we're learning about our church, which is a good thing. But I'm going to encourage you again, each week, if we're going to change how we think, we have to couple how we think with how we do something. So the end, again, the invitation is spend more time this week in this passage. So this gets into our minds, into our hearts. And then next week, again, would you enter through a different door? Would you park and walk? I see how some people do that today. So we're going to couple those two things together, right? Okay. So we're going to read uh, four through nine. And I'm going to call out two words in it. And then we're going to get into our whatever for today. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and guard your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen, or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. People of God, this is the word of God. All right, so the word last week was what? Whatever, that's right. And we talked about whatever for quite some time. Whatever, how we think of it's very different than how Paul is using it. That word whatever is, it's unlimited. It's huge, it's massive. Uh, we use the story of Jesus feeding the, wow, more than 5,000, where they, he broke the, the, the bread and the fish and five loaves and two fish became so much food that everyone had more than they needed to eat. It's the same word, whatever is the same word that describes what Jesus did with the loaves and the fish. So there is something, an unlimited something available to us for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? So whatever, it's huge, it's massive. So our first whatever this week is whatever is true. So there's an unlimited amount of what is true available to you and I if we are in Christ Jesus. So to begin, I'm gonna tell a story. I hope to tie it back in. It is Father's Day, so I wanted to honor my father, who was honoring, I think, our Heavenly Father. When I was little, 
in Southern California, we had dinner together, right? And I joked last service, I think we ate five meals because we were picky. And I think my mom got sick of making the same thing over and over again, but that's what we ate, right? Lots of meat and potatoes, right? So we'd sit down, we'd eat. And after we would eat, my dad would read these Bible stories to us. And the Bible stories were rhyme Bible. So like the really fun to read and they kind of, kind of rap. So as I was getting ready for today, I kept thinking about David and Goliath. I was like, why am I thinking of David and Goliath? I thought, oh yeah, that was one of our favorite stories growing up around the dinner table with my dad. Now, dad, my dad wrote a fun, or he didn't write it, he made a fun rap about David and Goliath. Do you want to hear? You got to imagine Kevin Corver doing this. So we'd read the story, but we get to the end, or when David's going to confront Goliath, and my dad would go, fee, fi, fo, fum, boom. I'm big, I'm mean, I'm a mighty Philistine. Lily-livered Israelites, come on out and fight. Are you mice or are you men? Come and take it on the chin. Chicken, chicken, beep, beep, beep. You're just a bunch of frightened sheep. Ah! And then he would chase us, and we would wrestle until someone would throw up or cry. I had this memory. And I'm like, all right, so God, why is that memory in my mind? We're talking about whatever is true today. Well, I realized that my dad was doing something. My dad and my mom, they were establishing two things for me, all right? So can you give me slide number uh, six, eight, sorry, eight. So the word for true is a non-concealment. Something that is hidden is brought to light. It's not easy to see. It's true, dependable, truthful, and genuine, all right? In context, that word can mean, depending on how you're using it, it can be a transcendent truth or a personal truth, okay? So a transcendent truth is something that always is. It's, if it's transcendent, it's outside of me. It's huge. It's massive. It's God. A God, last series, I am who is today, who has been, and who will be. So the word true can be transcendent, or it can be, in the Bible, personal. So you have your personal truth, which is your real-life experience. It's what you've actually experienced, not only what you think about what you've experienced, it's what you've actually experienced. So my dad, as we sat around a table as a little boy, was establishing a transcendent truth. I thought of the stories that we would read. In the beginning, God, what did he do? He made everything. God took some people in Egypt and he saved them. He drew them out. He brought them from slavery out into the promised land. And there was the story of Gideon, where Gideon's like the last person who should fight against some, some evil people, but somehow he chooses Gideon, and he chooses a really wonky plan somehow, and he makes himself really big because God is the one who saves the day, not Gideon. I thought of Daniel and the lions then. What a wild story, right? Can you imagine being thrown into a den full of lions and to not have to get thrown into the den of lions? All you'd have to do is say, yeah, I'll, I'll kneel before some random king, whatever. No, he chose not to. So he got thrown these lions and God saved him again. I thought about the story that Jesus loves the little children. I thought about how Jesus reinstates Peter who betrays him. He forgives him. I thought how Jesus came to earth. He died and then he rose for me. I thought all these stories that I read growing up, what was my dad doing? He was establishing a transcendent truth. 
It was all right here. It's like, like this, this is true. And the second thing he was doing, transcendent truth, is my personal reality was that my dad loved me. And my dad would sit and he would hold me and he would read to me and he would wrestle me and he would tickle me. And I knew he'd be home at dinner time. Not every dinner time, right? But that's what I remember. He was establishing a way for me to live in this life. He was giving me, I believe, whatever is true. So, this book we're using as a resource, the person said this, that how we see the world lies at the intersection of our transcendent truth, who we believe God is, and then our experience. How we see the world is at the intersection. Who do I believe God is? And then how do I then approach the things that I have to do in this life? And what has happened to me? I think today in our world, there's not a whole lot of intersection. Right? There's a whole lot of personal truth. There's a very little of a transcendent truth. But Paul, before the whatevers, what did he say? In this kind of thinking, if you bring everything before the Lord, the peace of God, which transcends your understanding of your circumstance, will guard your hearts, will guard your minds in Christ Jesus. So if you know who he is, if we know this truth, as we address all the things that happen in our life, we're going to see it in a different way because we have an always. Something that's transcendent is always there. So always is here now. That's my sentence for today. Slide number uh, 10, I think. What if that was how we saw everything? We're going to get into personal truth in a little bit. But I think what I thought of David and Goliath was it's so, so fun to keep digging into stories, right? And why does this come to mind? So in the story of David and Goliath, there's two characters who are confronted by, can you give me slide six? Goliath. Two people are confronted by a Goliath. Saul, King Saul, and little David, right? King Saul, how many days did Goliath Come, out, come before the people of God and say, send someone out to fight me. You know, define their God. How many days? 40 days. 40 is, a, is testing in the Bible. Saul was being tested. This is your personal reality. There is a giant in front of you. Do you trust me? Saul said, no, I don't. A little boy said, yes. I do. Goliath was huge. He's dangerous. He's a warrior. And he was verbally abusive. Hella mean things to say. I thought to, in our world today that personal truth is a bit of a Goliath. It's huge. Me, my experience, what I want who I am. It's huge. It's dangerous. 
and it is verbally abusive. How did David confront this Goliath? Well, I thought about David's life. I thought to myself, how did David learn to be a shepherd? Did someone show him how to be a shepherd? Perhaps his dad? Perhaps his mom, I don't know. Someone showed him how to be a shepherd. How did he learn to use the sling? Someone showed him how to use the sling. And then when he confronts Goliath, he says something fascinating. Because someone taught him something else. To confront a giant that his older brothers would not. He does. And he says this, to Goliath, you come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you, Goliath, you huge giant, in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel. This day, the Lord will hand you over to me, and the whole world will know there is a God in Israel. All those who are gathered here will know it is not by swords and spears that this Lord saves, because the battle is the Lord's. So someone taught him how to wield that stone. Someone taught him the word. Someone taught him how to confront that Goliath. So we have a gift for fathers today. And it's right out there. It's a stone. Dad, I'm talking to you specifically today. We get to, we get to grow people to know how to use weapons against Goliaths. We get to establish transcendent truth in our people so they know how to address all of their personal experiences. The cross, slide four, it's a visual, my sentence, always is here. That way of living, to, be, to know who God is, to be rooted in who he is, to know how to live is a sacrificial way of living. We call it, we love each other, right? We will and serve the good of the other which requires humility, which requires patience. We get to do that. Moms and dads. And what's really cool is that it's not just confined to parents. I thought of so many coaches and older people and teachers who have invested in me. It is a father on earth. It is coaches, but primarily it is a Heavenly Father. So that's the gift for you. When you go out today, you can grab a stone. You can write your household's name on it. Write your kids' names on it. And I would say put it in a place, put it in the place where you'd be most tempted to, uh, to not invest time in them. Does that make sense? So the place where you, would, you, you could easily choose that over them. Do your job. We do our jobs. We do what we're supposed to do really well, right? The best we can. That is in here. But not to the detriment of our households and our people. Amen? Stone for you out there. So I'm talking about whatever is true. I'm talking about today. And the truth is transcendent and it's personal. I want to talk about personal truth. And we're going to go to transcendent truth. And we got some stories. So personal truth in our world today. You know, I uh, uh, looked up some phrases that I hear a lot. And so I'm always curious, like, where did that phrase come from? Like, why do we say that? So there's a couple of phrases. I learned it from a guy named John Mark. And uh, one of them was, I hear regularly, is that the heart wants what the heart wants. So these are things that we are told that we're supposed to then make decisions on, right? This is a, a way of living, right? Do you know where that comes from? The heart wants what the heart wants. 
That was said by a stepdad who was in an illicit relationship with his stepdaughter, and her mom found out because there were pictures. The heart wants what the heart wants. That's where that statement came from. I didn't know that. Is that a statement I want guiding the way that I choose to live? Not me. Or how about this one? To thine own self be true. I think I've said this here before. Where does that come from? It comes from a really famous play. It's called Hamlet. It's said by, I think his name is Polonius. Polonius. He's the fool. He's the person in the play that you don't want to be. To thine own self be true. Those are two statements I hear a lot that I think is guiding ways that we live. And if I think about where they came from, I would think I do not want that to be why I would choose to do the things that I do, right? Another example. Just follow your heart. Do what you want. You do you. Uh, but which heart, which decision do I make? Which heart do I say yes to? Which, which impulse, right? So let's say uh, the example I heard was like you're in a supermarket, and you're checking out. This is real for all of us. We're all in the supermarket probably this week. And then supermarket, you have two sides. And the person said this. On one side, I see some magazines. And people look incredible, right? They look beautiful. They got washboard abs. That sounds good to me today. I want to do that. But on the other side are like treats, some dark chocolate, perhaps a Red Bull, which sounds good sometimes, you know, or something. Sometimes I want that. Well, so what? Some, some days I might choose this, but then, but then I would choose this. And it just gets, which one do I choose? Well, I have to choose all of it in light of a transcendent truth. There's a God who is, a God who always will be. Do I believe in him or not? Then how I live. So tran- the transcendent truth. We spent seven weeks on this. I'm just going to run through them. Jesus' I am statements. I don't know where you are today or what's going on in your life today. I'm not sure which one's going to resonate with you. But let's hear some of these. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the thing that sustains you. I am the thing that fills you. I am the thing that you actually need to live. Maybe that rings for you today. I am the light of the world. How do you get rid of darkness? Can you grab darkness, throw darkness, grasp darkness? Turn on the lights. Maybe you need to turn on the lights today. Maybe you need that truth today, that transcendent truth. I am the gate. I am the way. There's life and there's death. Which one am I choosing? May I need to think about where am I actually going? Are my decisions leading me down a path of life or down a path of death? I don't know. Or I am the good shepherd. Maybe someone's walking through the valley of the shadow of death today, and they need to know there's a good shepherd walking with them. That's a transcendent, always truth. The resurrection and the life. Maybe someone's facing death, and death is hard. But if we believe in this truth, there is life forever which is still hard to walk through the end with someone, but we know that we get to see them again. Amen. The way, the truth, and the life, and the true vine. And we are connected to him. We bear good fruit. And the people in our life get to experience his goodness. Those are truths, transcendent truths, but then help me understand how do I live and make my decisions? personally, with my experiences, which are good, which are bad. Things happen to us. How do I navigate that? Somehow, somehow, Paul says, and I don't know. That's why this word whatever is so limitless. Somehow, the peace of God, which will transcend my understanding of my experience, and it will guard my heart, and it will guard my mind. 
says, I am in Christ Jesus. Whew. I'm going to have Peyton come up here in just a moment. He's going to share a story. So think about this. It's like, man, everything comes back to Jesus, doesn't it? Jesus in Hebrews, he is the exact representation. He is God. He, he shows us what, what the Father looks like. What does he look like? Same about as we try to navigate these things. I thought of the story of the man at, at the pool in John 5. This man's been disabled for 38 years. And Jesus comes to him and he asks him a question. He says, do you want to be well? I'm almost trying, how did he ask that question? Do you want to be well? Sometimes as I think about me and life, like, that's a pretty valid question sometimes to people that we know. Do, do, you, do you want to be well? If so, Jesus says, okay, pick up your mat and walk. Later on, he comes to see him again, right? Jesus does. He says, he reminds him, you have to change how you think. Change how you're living. Why? Because I didn't think about this. He's been disabled for 38 years. He has to rebuild his whole life. Doesn't he? Jesus, I think he's saying, you have to think about how you're going to live now. In light of what happened, in light of me, in light of an encounter with me, and now you're getting to know who I am, how do you want to now live? Do you want to fixate on whatever is true so that I know how to deal with my own personal experience? I have Peyton come on up. Peyton's been my, on my team this summer, and he and I have studied this passage for a long time. I said, do you have an example of where, 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 where you had a, something was happening to you and you had to rely on a transcendent truth? And he said, yeah. So let him share. Yeah, so we've been discussing tr whatever is true. And as we've been discussing that, we realize that there is two different types of truth. You have your personal truth and the transcendent truth. So, yeah, I have a quick little story to share that's maybe a more tangible example of how seeing God's transcendent truth over your personal truth and how that leads to being more joyful. So, because Clayton uses so many basketball analogies, I think maybe it's time for a wrestling one. <laughs> so, <laughs> this past year was my senior year of high school, and so there were a lot of lasts for me, and one of those last was my last wrestling season. And for those of you who don't know me, I've been wrestling since before I was in school. So it's really like these past 14 years were leading up to this last wrestling season, and I wanted to make it as the best wrestling season I could. So I put a lot of pressure on myself, and to put even more pressure on myself, I felt like I hadn't really accomplished all that much in wrestling in high school. Like, I never made it to state, and I felt like I lost all the big matches. And so I was really putting a lot of pressure on myself to win. In this one particular tournament, I'd made it to the finals, and for some reason in wrestling, when you make it to the finals, you have like four hours to wait until your next match. So that's a lot of time to think. And so all these thoughts started coming to my head, all the possibilities, like, I wanted to win so bad, and my personal truth said, yeah, you're good at wrestling, but then it questioned, like, are you good enough to beat this guy, though? So 
I had I started getting anxious and nervous, and I was a little rattled. A little so, as I was getting ready for this match, I was wondering, like, am I good enough to beat this guy? And I started questioning myself a lot, and that's when God's transcendent truth came in and kind of stopped that thinking. So, when God's transcendent truth came in, it I realized that God's going to love me no matter what the outcome of the match is. He's going to love me if I win. He's going to love me if I lose. And so there's no need to put all this pressure on yourself. All I have to do is go out there, do my best, and have fun. And so with that in mind, I, kinda, I released kind of the burden of having to perform, having to go out there and win. And I was able to just joke around with my teammates beforehand. One of the, my friends had his little brother there. He was messing around on his iPad, so kept playing with him. And I was joking around so much that I was actually late to warm-ups. And so it's my mistake. But <laughs> as I was getting ready for the match, I released the pressure of having to win. And when it came time to wrestle, I was able to walk out there with confidence, knowing that whatever happens in the match, I'm still going to be loved by God, by my family, by my teammates, and I was able to just go be free and perform for God and for myself. So when the final whistle blew, I ended up wrestling like one of the best matches I've ever wrestled, and I won the match, and which was a really fun and exciting moment for me. So really the purpose in telling this story is to try and demonstrate how different our personal truth can be from reality. Because like, if I would have listened to my personal truth, it would have been like, I have to win this match, or like, I would have been really disappointed in myself. But in reality, everybody's still going to love me, and my value isn't dependent on how well I do in this match. So when our personal truth is shaken or challenged, it makes us anxious and when we base our happiness based on our personal truth, it can fail. And happiness can be taken by happenings, but when transcendent truth is constantly on our minds, when we think about such things, aligning our personal truth with the transcendent truth, we can have peace in the struggle and confidence in our sovereign God, and that gives us true joy. So. For the record, I will say wrestlers are way tougher than basketball players. I watched that practice. I would never want to be a wrestler. Whew. So I want to conclude uh, with something just out of uh, the Encounter magazine. Really, this, is a, this, ma this magazine is a bunch of stories of people who, who are experiencing things in life, but who have a transcendent truth, so it helps them to have a different perspective um, as they try to figure it out. So one of the things I wanted to uh, share with it was... Uh, uh, pay I was this morning, actually, I, was, I, about, I about six endings here. I wasn't sure which ending. I have different alternate endings. I listened to him talk, and I thought, man, uh, one of the pages here is about what's called rowboat vision. And uh, my grandpa, my cousin, wrote about it. He was a pastor for a long time. He talked constantly about rowboat vision. And the idea is this. When you're in a rowboat, right, you, you, you're looking behind you, and you're rowing. So you're, you're remembering what's happened. You're remembering where God has been in your story. 
but you're moving because you're rowing, so you're in the present. You're in the present, remember what's behind you, and you really can't see the future a whole lot. You can like steal glances, but you're not really sure, but you know who God is because he's been with you the whole way, and so you can keep on moving. So we all have all kinds of different people in our lives and in our stories who have done, who have helped establish important truths in our lives. So on Father's Day, I hope you, if that has happened for you with your father, that you would maybe share that with them. If that has not happened, I'd encourage you, because you think of other people in life who have helped you, who have grown you, have invested in you. One of my old coaches, he got me thinking about coaches. Uh, I was in third grade at old Webster Gym. Webster Gym, it's about as big as this room right here, right by this, tiny. And we were practicing, and I'll never forget it. Uh, he helped the basketball. And we're little kids. We love basketball. Basketball is the best. Sorry. I don't think that way anymore. I can't play anymore. But he helped the ball. Think about things that we value, things that we want in life. And he knew we all wanted to be good, be in the NBA, whatever, whatever. So he holds up the ball. He says, boys, boys, how big is this ball? It's a weird question as a third grader, right? I don't know. That big. He said, okay, yeah, but, but how, how big is this ball in this room? Uh, it's getting smaller, coach. It's not that big. Well, how big is this ball in Pella? Uh, it's getting smaller, coach. How big is this ball in the whole world? It's tiny, coach. Don't you forget it. It's all these things in life that we chase and we pursue, and they're good things. But this is the best thing. And if we have this thing, we can figure out all of these things, good things and bad things. Because we have an unshakable God and we believe in him, right? His kingdom's coming. One final thing. Invite the band up. I'm not sure why I'm telling this. Our world's nuts, right? It feels a little nuts. It feels like it's a little nuts. So someone said this to me. And I just find it, it's just encouraging for me. Uh, so we might have s'mores in my house tonight. I don't know. It's nice out. Father's Day. But someone gave us an analogy. So we believe, we pray this every week, your kingdom come. We believe the kingdom of God is coming. It has been coming and it continues to come. Amen? It has not stopped coming. The world seems nuts, but the kingdom is still coming. The person said this, imagine, what if, what if, what if? It's like a s'more. And then what if the kingdom of God is coming? And the kingdom of God's getting heavier. And it's getting heavier. And the evil of this world, the prince of this world is like he's feeling the pressure. Imagine what happens to a marshmallow as you smash it down. What happens? It starts flying out the sides because there's nowhere to go. What if that's what's happening right now? What if the kingdom of God is coming in such a way? It seems like it's getting nuts, but that's because, it's because the kingdom is coming. I like that. Let's pray. God, we're grateful that your kingdom is coming. We are so grateful that you are God and we are not. So I pray in these final songs that you would establish within us, reestablish, that we would remember we'd be reoriented today that, that all things are in you and through you, that you are always here, you always will be here, you have been and you will be. We can trust you because you are God and we're not. So in light of who you are, God, in light of what you have done for us and the way you think about us, in light that you are in control and over all things, would you then help us to know who we are and who you call us to be? So we just invite your presence. We love when you're around. Amen.